0: Move the World is partnering with The Readiness Lab, the home for podcasts, webinars, and training in the field of emergency and disaster services. I'm George Siegel, and this is the Move the World podcast. Every week, we feature interviews with people dedicated to making the world a better place. Thank you for joining me on this week's Move the World podcast. My goal each week is to introduce you to someone who in their life or in their job is doing something to make the world a better place. Now, I know this can cover a lot of ground and that a lot of things can come into play when you talk about doing this, but it has to give you the thought that if you put your mind to it, you might end up being able to do something that could move the world. My guest today is Barry Atkins. Barry has shared with tens of thousands of people the dangers of binge drinking and his experience of losing his 18-year-old son, Kevin, to alcohol poisoning on the day he moved out on his own. In 2007, Barry set out on an epic 1,400 mile journey and walked from Arizona to Montana with his son's ashes in his backpack. Barry, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Appreciate you having me on, George.
0: Barry, tell us, um, let's get this right off the bat. Tell me what you do to move the world.
1: I tell a story. That's all I do. I've discovered that people don't want to be preached to. I just tell them a story and let them decide whether they want it to change their lives
0: now a lot of people tell stories yours is so much more personal and and I think impactful as a as a parent uh, because we always imagine you know we never want to imagine anything bad happening to our children so what happened and then what was the steps that the, the steps that you took in order to process it and to actually take action about it
1: that's a big question.
0: Um,
1: So what happened was the day he moved out on his own, they had a party. He uh, started with beer. They moved on to shots. Uh, He left a voicemail for his sister after he drank all of that. He passed out. Uh, They laid him in his bed on his side in case he vomited, thinking no big deal, right? But his buddy Craig kept going back in to check on him. And around 4 a.m., calls started coming in to 911 uh first calls were difficulty breathing and the next calls are not breathing my son died alone in a hospital while I slept peacefully in my bed
0: now that's that's um that's a horrible thing to to have to to deal with and i could imagine how that could destroy a lot of people that could completely be something that derails you as you search for a reason of why that that might have happened but you found the strength to, to turn that around and do something with it. What made you think of, first of all, traveling 1,400 miles with your son's ashes, but but taking on something like that that is such a huge thing to do in, uh, in the memory of your son?
1: It's a life-changing event, right? And as you said, it can, it can go either way. And that's kind of part of the grief process. Uh, it can destroy your life or a new you can be born and the new you can be better than the old you Um, i never did any public speaking before this happened uh never had any inkling to do it never had any inkling to write a book i had no interest in any of those things Um, i just wanted to tell the story because one of the things i thought early on in the process is what would i hope somebody else would do if it happened to their kid Um, and that's where I started doing it. The walk to Montana um, is a bit convoluted, but um, there's a movie out there called Lonesome Dove with Tommy Lee Jones and Robert Duvall. Have you seen it?
0: I have years ago. I don't know. that
1: was his favorite movie. And at the end of that movie, Tommy Lee Jones agrees to carry the body of Robert Duvall back to Texas to bury him where he was the happiest. So in my convoluted mind, I thought, well, he always talked about wanting to move to Montana someday and buy a ranch. So I'll do it. I'll take him to Montana. And that's—I mean—that's a huge
0: thing, though, that you that you <coughs> walked into. Um, you ended up turning it into a book, Kevin's Last Walk: A Father's Final Journey with His Son, where you chronicle the adventure of of making it that distance. Now, I walk a couple miles a day. Most people probably a few miles. 1400 miles did as soon as you set that goal did you try to maybe I want to say walk it back and think well maybe I maybe I can drive maybe I can do something else to get there
1: well I don't know once I committed to it I committed to it but I have to say I had a lot of people including close family members who tried to talk me out of it and I understand why they did because they were worried I was going to fail that's the reality of everybody including me right who do I think I am that I could do something like this? But I just decided that's what I was gonna do. And uh, by the grace of God, it happened.
0: Yeah, I mean, that to me would would probably be my fear in committing to something like that because the amount of detail you talk about in the book of what you had to do to prepare for the walk, all the, the pieces that had to be put into place to be able to do something like that, you needed a lot of support But in the end, you still had to be out there walking every day. And that is a huge commitment. Yeah, I mean,
1: I average about 90 miles a week on this journey. Um, Got chased by more dogs than I can count. Uh, But but the wonderful thing about getting out on the road like that is you discover the world isn't really all that jaded. You meet wonderful people. I, every single day, people stop to talk to me. And why are you out here? Do you need a ride? You know, what What are you
0: doing? Yeah, it's nice when you can see uh, the good in people. And, and what you also did along the walk, which I think is, to me, maybe more important than the walk itself, is the amount of young people that you spoke with and, and shared your story with And the way it read in the book, and I'm curious if it was the same actual experience for you, it's tough to talk to kids sometimes. They don't pay attention to anything we say, yet this is something that it sounded like they were pretty riveted to and hopefully got the message about.
1: It's it's a common feedback, and I'm just blessed that I, I had some good teachers early on about telling a story, and storytelling takes time to learn how to tell a story so you don't lose the audience um you know i you know i have numerous people say i've never seen these kids that quiet
0: yeah I, I and you know when you're talking to them about something like this you know at least i know when i talk to my children i know the message goes in one ear and out the other <laughs> um i've talked about your story with them and it does seem to pull them in to pay a little more attention Um, because it's such a serious subject. I remember back when I was in school, when we turned 21 in our fraternity, we had to drink until we vomited. And if you think about the absurdity of that, the stupidity of that, I, I think about how many shots I had on my 21st birthday. I think by the, you know, the grace of God, I'm still alive. I don't even know how I'm still here. It's a frightening thing with young people.
1: It is. And that's why I tell the story because you just don't realize, because just like you, I'm that guy. I'm that guy that never believed anything would happen to Kevin. I actually, there's uh, a part that I tell where uh, after he graduated from high school, he wanted to go buy a new truck, right? And I didn't want him to buy it. And I told him, you got to give me three months worth of insurance payments and car payments before I would co-sign the loan. He finds a truck at a dealership. And I don't know what your experience there has been, but I know what what's going to happen when I go in there. They're going to try to sell me stuff I don't want. The first thing this guy asks is, how about some life insurance? And I'm like, um, I don't need any life insurance. My wife will do just fine. If something happens to me. And he said, I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about your son. And I'm that guy. I'm that guy who rather indignantly told him that 18 year old boys don't need life insurance because they don't die.
0: Obviously I was wrong. Yeah, I mean, I, I always tell my children you nobody goes out and plans on something bad happening to them that day. You have to think about the things you're doing, understand the consequences. But I think that comes more into play in 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 driving fast, it comes more into play in maybe risky sports that you do, but I don't know that kids regularly think about it when they're consuming alcohol or doing drugs. They you're at that in, invulnerable stage where you just think, well, nothing nothing bad can happen to me.
1: Yeah. Yep. That part of their brain right here isn't developed. I don't remember what you call that, but that that reason and that logic part isn't quite there yet.
0: That is for sure. Now, you, you had a, some quotes in there that I really liked where you said well, you were out playing golf one time and you weren't hitting the ball well, so the guy you were playing with gave you some interesting advice. He said, swing hard, son, in case you hit it. Yep.
1: Good advice for life, right? I mean, I've told people i I look back on this. It's about 14 years in the rearview mirror. I, <laughs> I swung hard, right? Mm-hmm. And I hit it. Um, I, everything had to fall into place and it did. And I, I, it was by the grace of God it all happened.
0: And I think that advice can apply to so many things. Um, you know, I, I look at different things that have come up and I look at it, opportunities where, should I step out there and do this? Should I try this? And I think most of us just pull back even on small things and that attitude about, well, if you're going to do it, go for it, give it, give it, give it everything because that, that something, something good will come from that, which is a a common theme throughout your book. Something very good will come from this. Um, And it's hard to imagine that because it's such a, it's such a tragic event that leads to it, but you've done something good with it and hopefully have saved a lot of lives along the way.
1: Um yeah, I, I mean I've heard stories actually. There's one particular story uh where I spoke at a high school, uh, there was a party a couple weeks later. Uh there was a bunch of drinking going on. There was a student there that had passed out. One of the kids that had heard my story wanted to call 911. The other kids didn't. Uh that student put the kid that was passed out in his car, drove him to an urgent care facility.
0: Who called 911 and saved his life? Wow. That's that is powerful. And I think that, you know, when I started this podcast, I was talking to somebody who's very successful at it. And I said, Well, you know, I'm really competitive. I want to have a big audience. And they go, if you can reach one person, build off of that. Feel good about that. Know that you've made a difference. When you hear that story, it's like, wow. The I, I think of the movie It's a Wonderful Life and all the things yeah. that extend out from that. Who knows what you've changed by that story? Exactly. That's 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 amazing. Now I don't, you, you ha-
1: to know. I don't think it's
0: for me to know. I honestly don't. I sure. I think it's what it is. You had the question, what happens if this is a miserable failure? How how did you overcome that?
1: You know, when you lose a child, there's nothing that can happen to you. That's worse than that. That was my thought process. My son has died. If this becomes a failure, okay, but it's not the worst thing that's ever happened to me. I mean, that's kind of how I looked at it is I, I have to give it a shot. I mean, I had a number of people say, well, why don't you wait a few years and think about it? And I'm like, no, because then there's that regret, right? I should have done it. then. I just, I just, it was just something that I said, I just, I got to do this.
0: Now, there's another story that you had um, in there. I tried telling this and I I bombed at it. I didn't have the same pizzazz that you had in the book Um, about the guy walking along the beach and all the starfish. Yeah. You came across a guy. Could could you could you repeat that story? Hopefully you'll do it better than me because it it made an impact. on Well, wow. It's
1: it's not my story, but it's the story about someone walking along the beach And there's all these starfish that are washed up on the beach and they're thrown back out one at a time. And someone comes up and says, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm trying to save these starfish. And I said, well, you're never going to save them all. And he picked up one of them and threw it back in the ocean and said, I saved that one.
0: Yeah. I thought that was very powerful because that's kind of the message. That's what happened to the the story you said about the kids that, that, that took their friend in who uh, was drinking. And, um, that can make a, an amazing difference. You said that you believe if we can teach children to find the things that bring them joy and purpose in their lives, many of today's problems will disappear. It seems like purpose is lacking in a lot of young people.
1: It is. And, and to be honest, I mean, I don't know uh, how your youth was, but I had no purpose. I didn't know why I was in school. I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, I mean, you know, time fixes those things. But when you're young, you just don't know. Right. You. You have no thing. And that's one of the things I tell kids all the time is, look, you know, shoot high. Just like we talked about. Um, If if an old guy like me can pull off something like this, imagine what you can do. I mean, you know, people quite often think that's too big of a thing to take on. But uh, one of the things that I look at as when I did the walk in the beginning, I was thinking about fourteen hundred miles. Right. It's a long ways. And if you let that get inside your head, you're going to think, I'm never going to get there. But I changed my thinking to, I'm going to walk three miles and take a break and see how I feel then. And it's those little steps that turn into something big. Right. That's, that's the way I look at things. Just, just, just take those baby steps.
0: Now, your wife was a tremendous support. Your kids, you had, a, you had a, quite a team out there helping you along the way, didn't you?
1: Uh, yeah, I tell everybody I was just the guy doing the walking and talking. There was uh, not my kid. Uh, it's a nonprofit here in Arizona. They they set up most of the speaking engagements. My wife met me every three miles, uh, made sure I had something to eat. You know, she tracked all of that stuff. She made sure we left at the right time so I was on time for <laughs> presentations and that kind of stuff. But she tracked all that stuff, and um, I. You know, it's one of those things, too, where when you lose a child, a lot of times it results in divorce. Um, but we made a commitment early on that, you know, we're going to we're going to just lean on each other, not away from each other.
0: And uh, as you were out there on the road, what's going through your mind is you're I mean, there's a, there's a lot of downtime when you're walking along for that kind of distance. I know you had people talking to you some of the time you were walking with other people, but what kind of things were you thinking about over 1400 miles? I,
1: a lot of times I just enjoyed the view, right? I mean, when you walk, you see a lot more. Um, I just kind of just let it go. Uh, I didn't think a lot about stuff. I just kind of enjoyed the moment. I, I did not listen to music, uh, Number one, because I didn't want the distraction. Number two, when you're walking on the road on a two-lane road, you want to be able to hear what's going on around you. So, uh, just letting your mind go is a good thing. And it was, it was the 1,400 miles where I found a way to forgive myself. And you know, nobody's perfect. We all make mistakes. Um, you have to be able to forgive yourself.
0: Yeah. I mean, as a parent, you could second guess anything that you do. I mean, every action that we have either has an impact or it doesn't, but we can't be with them 24 hours a day and we can't control, we can't control things that are beyond our control. So now that you've, you've done this and you're speaking to kids, do you still get out there and talk to, talk to groups and, and continue to, to share your message? I do actually.
1: I was just at a high school two weeks ago. I mean, with COVID, things have changed. I did create that video because of the COVID, but uh, I just did uh, four or five hundred students just a couple of weeks ago.
0: And what what do you think is the common theme from them when they ask you questions, when they when they hear your story and understand the pain that it was for you? Do you do you think it makes them more accountable? to themselves? Or do they think about what, when something happens to them, what that also does to their parents? I mean, what what's the connection here and in, in what their responses are?
1: It's both, right? It's realizing that you matter. Uh, but it's also understanding what, what you can do about things. I mean, that's really my message is that uh, bad stuff happens to everybody. Uh, it just does. It's the way you respond to it that matters. And that's That's really my key message. The kids, uh, the questions I get from them are everything from, did you walk back from Montana to Arizona? Um, When are they going to make a movie about this? Um, I had kids that wanted to know, well, where did you go to the bathroom when you were out there? Uh, A lot of kids wanted to talk about the walk. Uh, Kids wanted to know, well, hey, here's another interesting one. They want to know, did you ever talk to Kevin about it? And the answer to that is not really. Uh, We have a family family member that's, uh, he's an alcoholic, a recovering alcoholic now, but he was an alcoholic. And Kevin always talked about how stupid he was and how he was never going to let anything like that happen. We talked about drugs all the time, but uh, in hindsight, I would have talked a lot more about that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. How did you get back? You you had two vehicles up there. So did you just, you guys just caravan back? Yeah. Yeah, we did. Uh, I had to get back
1: to work because I had to get back to my job that pays the bills. Right. I mean,
0: so it's pretty amazing. Your, your new employer could have just as easily said to you, we can't promise you your job will be here when you got, when you get back, but they kept your job for you. And, um, that, that was pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's,
1: there's so many people that stepped up, right. And that's the the things that happened behind the scenes. Obviously they tried to talk me out of it as well. Uh But I told them, well, uh, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But um, uh, the human resources director was instrumental and, you know, she saw it.
0: When you look back on the walk, what would be the the biggest highlight or the most memorable, other than the fact that you accomplished what you set out to do? Was there something along the way? I mean, I know you were picking up different signs and things that feelings that you had along the way. What would be the, the biggest moment?
1: I would say it was just outside of Flagstaff, between Flagstaff and Page. And uh, I had a car, you know, hit the brakes when they went past me and they pulled over. I thought, okay, well, I can take a little break and talk to this guy. And he walks up and he says, are you the guy that just spoke at Flagstaff High School last week? And I said, I am. And he gave me a hug and he said, I don't know what you said, but my son came home and for the first time told me, about what happened to you. He normally doesn't tell me anything about school. So, um, that made it easier to walk the rest of the day.
0: Physically, what would you say the toll was on you walking 1400 miles?
1: You have to learn to pace yourself. Um, I knew what I was in for. I'd run a few marathons, but, uh, it's learning to pace yourself. It it took me a while to figure out this isn't a race. Uh, I just have to cover 15 miles a day. If it takes me seven hours or eight hours or six hours, it doesn't matter. Uh, physically, obviously, the further I went, the better I felt because I learned what I could get away with and what I couldn't get away with.
0: Now, if you had to give advice to somebody, whether they're grieving or the, there's just something that they they're, they're wanting to try, what would be your word of advice to somebody? who, who really wants to do something to make a difference, but for whatever reason they've been holding back. Give it
1: a shot. Give it a shot. I mean, as I said before, I, I'm not the most creative guy in the world and baby steps. I would say, give it a shot and
0: just take baby steps. What would be the best way for people to follow you? If they want to check you out online, get the book, uh book you for a speaking engagement um i know you update the website regularly how would people get get in touch with you
1: the best way to get a hold of us probably is through facebook it's kevin's last walk um that's probably the best way to get a hold of us the book is on amazon uh, but i i found that most people follow facebook much more than they do the website quite honestly so I post most of my stuff, you know, links to all the videos and all the podcasts I've done on Facebook. I keep them on there.
0: But the website is kevinslastwalk.com.
1: Kevin's last, yep. Kevinslastwalk.com.
0: And um, for people that want to buy the book, they can also buy it on your website? Yes, they can. Okay. And I would, I would highly recommend that people read this book. I mean, it just, it's It it captures something as a parent. It gives you a perspective on things. And, you know, because of your book, I I now hammer on my kids. I even talk to my older kids about this because it just so it it got to me and I'm sure it got to a lot of people. Um, So when you say in the book, something very good will come from this. You have that feeling that that I mean, you can't bring people back but you can do something good with with that memory
1: yeah you, you can't fix it um, you just the only thing you can do is make something good come from it and as far as talking to your kids um, one of the things I tell people all the time because it it happened to me you you it's uncomfortable to talk to your kids about this stuff right but kids are always listening right we were driving down the road one day and grandkids in the back, and we're talking about a trip we're gonna take, not talking to them, I was talking to Bev, my wife. And you know they're like, wait, what did you just say? And it occurred to me that kids are always listening. So have the conversation with your wife or your husband with them in the room. And they'll listen to what you're talking about. They may not wanna talk about it, but they're listening to what you're saying. And I tell kids the same thing. You don't want to have that conversation with your parents. That's fine. Just be on the phone with a friend and talk about it because your parents are listening to your conversation as well if they're in the room. So it just kind of allows you to kind of start it without having to say, look, we're going to talk about alcohol today. We're going to talk about drugs or bullying, whatever it is.
0: Very good. Barry, thank you so much for joining me today. And uh, thank you for sharing your story in the book. I appreciate you having me on, George. Thank you for joining me on this week's Move the World podcast. If you enjoyed what you were listening to, please share the link with your friends so they can become listeners as well. I'd also ask you to drop by my website if you get a chance, movetheworldfilms.org, and you can check out the two documentary films that I've made, The Last House Standing and Licensed to Parent, and all the uh, episodes that we've made so far of the Move the World podcast can be found on there as well. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.